Hello and welcome back to Beautifully Naive. It's Teresa here. On today's episode, I'm speaking with my friend Ben. We are talking about dating. Uh, I mean, maybe dipping our toes in talking about dating. We couldn't stop talking, so this is actually part one of two. You can tune in again next week for part two of our chat. We are exploring online dating. We talk about the cultural differences between dating in the gay world and dating in the straight world, uh, where they kind of have similarities and where they veer apart. Uh, We talk about the fact that we're both terrible at flirting, and it's pretty fun. Hope you enjoy. If you feel inspired to share with someone, I would love that. It would help me out. You can also like, comment, um, and I hope you enjoy. Have a great day and thanks again for listening to Beautifully Naive. So thank you so much for joining me today, Ben. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Um, So Ben and I are going to have a chat today about dating um, and uh, how it goes, I guess, with online dating and then also more straight versus gay culture around dating um so yeah Yeah. so do you so we started with a little chat before we recorded but um ben you were talking about how for you in your dating life it's really only been an online situation yeah yeah it's um and it's 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 interesting because i feel as though everyone who's around me has had such a diametrically opposed experience but um I started dating and and meeting men um, a little bit later, I think, than most people, especially straight people. I was in my early 20s. Okay. And um, especially in an environment and in a city and surrounded with people who, as accepting and, and supportive as they were, um, did not have a lot of insight necessarily or knowledge of, of how it was to navigate um, you know, dating and relationships in non-heterosexual, heteronormative relationships. And so oftentimes I think that um, me and a lot of other younger um, gay, lesbian, non-binary, trans people also will sort of seek the refuge or the, the, um, the stepped, uh, way in which you basically date and interact with people online there's that there's that barrier where um you know you can take it you can take it slow if you want there's you remove the physicality out of it right Mm. there's no Mm -hmm. body language reading there's no voices there's none of that you kind of um i think i think when it when the when the, the concept of dating the concept especially of gay dating is very scary um starting online can be sort of very comforting because you can move at your own pace, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Which is funny because that is, that, <laughs> is, that is accompanied with the polar, the complete opposite experience, which is online dating has also accelerated relationships and people's need to, you know, seek intimacy and find each other. And so ironically- Oh, for sure. And hookup culture. Exactly. And so ironically, I hear myself saying that oftentimes it's a sort of a 
uh, a way of easing yourself into this world that you know nothing about, um, mm. it also can become very intense very quickly because you're going to be interacting with people who don't want the same things as you um, and who are sometimes extremely forward with what they want. And, yeah. um, but it, it's, it's interesting because it, I found that, you know, the learning curve is steep, but <laughs> you end up with a very variated set of experiences that yeah. I think, you know, the traditional mode, I think of, of, meeting people and falling in love, you know, doesn't necessarily give you it. It's almost like, it's almost like a bit more of a controlled way of doing it rather than more than, you know, happenstance or, or chance or luck. You can talk mm -hmm. to people who are 12 time zones away um, that you kind of know you'll never meet. People make connections with other people without ever really seeing what they look like or, um, or are, you know, it, there's all that, and that kind of ties in with this notion of you know, catfishing, pretending you're someone that you're not, <laughs> which is super mm -hmm. funny. Um, <clears throat> but no, once in a while, you'll meet someone who's kind of on your level and um, with whom you can feel you're making, you know, a connection slowly that might develop very differently if it was all in person. And that's kind of, it's kind of amazing. It can be great. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever texted or chatted with someone in time zones away? I've never done oh, that. Oh, for before. sure. Yeah. Yeah? I that you know is never going to be anything but flirting. That's probably a fantastic way to practice. There are stories. I feel they're, they're, they're rare and I think they're kind of over-exaggerated, but of people um, meeting others and falling in love from far, far, far away through, you know, the, the miracle of online dating. And then they do end up sort of physically meeting each other and starting a relationship. Um, it does happen, but it's extremely rare. Um, I find oftentimes when you're being messaged from someone super, super far away, they aren't really interested in anything serious or they're kind of just testing the waters but yeah like i've talked to people in brazil and people in greece um cool and on some dating apps i don't know how it is with with dating apps straight dating apps like bumble and such but you can basically travel on the app you can basically pick cities based on how far they are from where you currently are and then basically okay. look around at people's profiles in those cities you can you can even say that you're traveling somewhere preemptively and, you know, say like, I'm going to be in uh, Phoenix from January 4th to 9th. If anybody wants to hang out or meet up or whatever. So people will. I have seen that actually. Yeah. That people will yeah. say like, oh, I'm in Ottawa this time or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. So people will preemptively traveled, but... organize or schedule things. Uh, I've had it where I've connected with someone online yeah. and then we'll be chatting and they're saying they live close by and then I'll ask <clears> them like some clarifying questions or whatever yeah <laughs> and one guy we'd been chatting and I was like and it was it had this happened twice and both of them had the same like widowed story and whatever and then um I asked some clarifying questions and they couldn't answer a simple questions <laughs> and I was like where are you actually and one of them was like um, where was it? Morocco. So they lied like, to you. Oh, they flat out just lied. Yeah. 
yeah oh yeah yeah and I was like what is the like what is that about I don't <laughs> but probably looking to catfish me in some way right I don't yeah I caught on to it but but I was like oh this person's really nice and whatever and then I'm like hold up what yeah <laughs> how do you not know this basic thing like what part of the city do you live in oh the whatever and it would be very vague yeah like hmm i don't think i've ever heard anyone in ottawa describe that yeah no that's yeah i feel like that's that's what you're kind of hinting at now is the sort of the more obscure scary side of online dating which is the ability for people to essentially reinvent themselves or to pose as you know other people and sometimes take advantage of you right like yeah obviously if this person is in morocco he's not planning on ever meeting with you um, no. so it is very sort of, it's a documented thing. It happens a lot that people pose as people who are, you know, perceived to be better looking than what they actually are, or they use, um, mm. faces and profiles and body images of people who are famous or people who are notorious or whatever to basically extract relationships or a sense of, a sense of, you know, a sense communication with someone or you know yeah. to get photos or stuff like that so sometimes it does there are stories of um of things like that happening there are stories of homophobic straight people posing as gay men and luring oh. people and then like yeah basically like assaulting them it's it is it, it, it's oh. a reality i know without getting too grim it is a reality of the world that we live in but i think that that's still overwhelmingly not the case i think that in 98 99% of cases what brings all these people together on the uh, this 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 notion of online dating is that they are lonely and they're looking for maybe not a relationship but a connection in some way shape or form or they're looking for like we talked about a hookup mm-hmm. um and online dating gives them a platform to basically expand their network of opportunity by a thousand times, essentially. Right. Oh yeah, totally. You meet people. I've met people I would never meet in my day-to-day life just because I don't like, I have a job that's not somewhere I can meet a lot of people. I have, you know, I'm pretty keep to myself at home or I socialize with people I already know. Exactly. Um, So yeah, Yeah. online dating gives me access to a lot of different yeah, we're just we're just riding the wave of, of social media, which, you know, increasingly, I don't think that social media is necessarily an advantage to society, but there has been a huge decline in, you know, people interacting and meeting each other in physical social settings that go beyond the boundaries of just dating, right? Like networking events yeah. and, you know, people just sort of like meeting each other in bars and in restaurants and that, you know concerts and whatever anything like that yeah we're becoming well even something like going for a coffee you're gonna sit and look on your phone or be doing something on a computer whereas 10 years ago you'd probably be sitting there looking around or have a book or something and be more approachable right exactly yeah so the fact that we're constantly glued to our phones does make us rather sort of unapproachable and it makes it look like we're in mm-hmm. these bubbles but also i do think that back in the day there was a possibility that you could have let's say gotten up from your from your chair at a coffee shop and gone up to talk to somebody and they would have had absolutely no interest in speaking to you 
And uh, I know we're so risk averse. We're now, very, I can't we're, imagine we've doing that. Manage. <laughs> which, which in, in a yeah. weird sort of like uh, science, I guess not scientific, but in a, in a calculated way, I think that online dating, especially in the gay world is a way of um, managing risk. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's an amazing, there's an amazing uh, documentary on Netflix called Dreamboat, which is, which documents okay. a week on a gay cruise ship. And it's both very informative, but it's also very striking that, you know, these men talk about how easy, how easy it is for them to feel, you know, loneliness and to feel unfulfilled in their relationships and how gay culture can be, uh, you know, superficial and transient. Um, and that oftentimes it's a lot, it's very much image-based, image and mm. aesthetics-based. Um, and I think that in a way, online dating, again, makes it easier for you to find sort of your tribe or, or what you're interested in or people who are mutually interested in each other without having to go through, you know, what we perceive as endless rejection or, or loneliness. So for example, Mm -hmm. the whole concept of matching, right? Like the algorithm basically absolves you of having to ask somebody if they're into you or of of you telling them that you're into, that you're interested in them. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's basically taken out the possibility of being rejected and only really left the possibility of being accepted because if you swipe, yeah. left is left I, I actually never did tinder but left <laughs> left left is no right okay is so yes. if you swipe right on somebody, is grinder not swiping no no there's no oh um that's where i, I guess we'll get into that in a minute but that's where I think yeah, gay dating rough. apps and straight dating apps are very different there's a lot there's <laughs> other ways of communication which are often a little bit more specific and sometimes aggressive than just swiping yeah swipe but, right. but like you said when you've swiped and you've had a connection then you know that person's interested which makes it easier to exactly strike Whereas the if you swipe right yeah. and you don't get a match there's you don't have to tell yourself that person doesn't like me there's a million reasons like they might not have seen you they might have like mm. it might not yeah i guess that's the main one that they might not have seen your profile or that they are interested in someone else, but let's say in a stack of a hundred people, you know, two or three people end up being your matches. Well, because you have those matches, you're not going to focus or I wouldn't focus on the people that I didn't match with because I've already sort of forgotten about them. You do focus, you do tend to focus a little bit more, you know, on, on the positive, right? You're exact. You're, you're excited that someone that you thought was interesting or you liked their profile or you, you know, on a more superficial level, you like the way they look and they felt the same about mm-hmm. you. It can be, it can be very valorizing, you know, but I'd say that with a caveat because the, op- you know, you also can feel, uh, it, it can, it can become sort of depressing rather quickly. I mean, <laughs> especially, mm-hmm. especially in the gay dating world, which is a lot about sort of, immediate sort of hookup culture um, and increasingly complex relation uh, relationship sort of dynamics 
Um, mm-hmm. It can be, you know, another thing too that I that we haven't brought up is the fact that you can meet people on these apps, which would be almost impossible in real life, who are in all kinds of non-normative relationships. They can be exactly right. Yeah. They can be. It could be like a man who's quote unquote straight or in or married to a woman, let's say, and who is having doubts and who wants to sort of try to understand how they're feeling, which I wouldn't necessarily call cheating necessarily, but they're kind of, it's a, it's a way for them to sort of try to make sense of the way that they're feeling without necessarily throwing anything away. Or you can meet people who are in open relationships who want um, you know, to meet people on the side or pe- couples who are looking for a third, let's say, or couples who mm-hmm. are looking to exchange partners, all of these, all of these things, that I think they're probably more prevalent in, in on gay dating apps than they are on straight ones. But probably, it opens yeah. your mind really quickly to the spectrum that exists in the way people make connections with each other. Yeah, that's one thing that I like admire about the queer community is that like if you're in a heteronormative relationship, you don't really question a lot. You just kind of go with, I think for the most part, you kind of go with like, oh, long, long-term long relationship. That's what we yep. do. Oh, uh, monogamy. That's what we do. Um, like, and there's a lot more really rigid rules around it. Whereas I feel like if you've had to navigate your sexuality from a very young age in a way that's not the, like, I don't want to say not normal, but like the, not the average, yeah, the I guess. Mode. Like, yeah. yeah. The way our culture is yeah. set up that heteronormative, that, that by the time you get to dating and relationships and stuff like that, you're, you've already had to have so many more conversations with yourself and with your friends and with your family than any heterosexual person likely has had to. Right. So like the understanding of what a relationship could look like or what you want as a person is probably far beyond. Like I know for myself. So I always, believed that I would, I was heterosexual Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, I dated only boys when I was younger and I got married to a man. And then in the last couple of years, I've realized that I'm bisexual, but that never, like, I never had those conversations. I was like, Oh, this is like, I didn't know anyone growing up. That was an example to me. There wasn't anyone on TV. I just thought the thoughts that I had were fantasy and could never, would never be anything else. Like, so I, I, I think it's hard, I'm sure having those, have to, having to deal with that stuff when you're younger, but, but also you kind of get it out of the way too, I think in a lot of, like, I'm trying to navigate all of that yeah. now in my head. Yeah. And, yeah I think it's, it's a, it can be a double-edged sword in the sense that I do think that for a lot of people and not just, not people who are straight, but people who are also gay and, and lesbian or bisexual or otherwise but sometimes if it if if it is what you are looking for like the, the so-called heteronormative relationship um you know two people um that are monogamous essentially if that is what you want it can be very easy because that is what society sort of based on not that not that it's what it accepts but it is what it is based on in so many 
ways, constructs and, and financially and stuff like that. But you're completely right that for a lot of, a lot of people who are straight, they've really never had to ask themselves these kinds of harder questions, which is what do I want out of a relationship? What do I want out of intimacy and out of love really? Um, and it can get to a yeah. point where people do feel like they are kind of just on cruise control. They're kind of coasting without really checking, looking inward and, and asking themselves what it really is that would make them happy or that would make them um, feel fulfilled. And mm-hmm. yes, it is, it is part, I think, of why so many people, not just, not just gay or lesbian, but even allies essentially find so much solace and so much freedom in the LGBTQ plus world is because all of a sudden, a lot of these barriers and walls and constructs are partially, if not fully eroded. We have not yet reached a point, I think, where in, in um, the mainstream media or in mainstream culture that has assigned specific values and specific constructs to non-heteronormative relationships, right? So, so that is a huge advantage. I think that gay men, lesbian women, bisexual people and people who want non-heteronormative relationships have the, they do benefit. I mean, they, they, they are at a disadvantage for a lot of things, but they do benefit from this lack of rigidity that comes from expectations from the outside, from outside of their relationships. Oftentimes parents, for example, will be accepting, I think of a gay son or a gay daughter but all of a sudden in their minds, something will change about the relationship in the sense that has to do with expectations and what they sort of imagine their son or their daughter, you know, that what their life would look like. This, this, mm. this falls into almost any category, children, um, uh, employment, and sort of the way you sort of structure your life, which is, which yeah. can be very liberating, but like you said, people are entering or sort of, or sort of um, discovering the LGBT plus Q plus world at different stages in their lives. And there's a huge difference between someone who is coming into it in their teens, especially nowadays, than people who are coming into it um, as fully formed adults, right? Already, there's a tendency to already have some of that sort of societal expectations sort of inculcated into you. Um, Oh, for sure. I'm finding it to be a huge hurdle. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And so, so that's one thing that I'm super thankful for that I was able to um, sort of discover these sort of, sort of dynamics in the, and gay culture in my own time and at my own pace, essentially, because I, that mm. I haven't been as beholden to these these standards or these things that you're sort of s- supposed to have accomplished by certain ages, let's, let's say. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, oh, I'll be married by this age. By this age, I'll have kids. By this age, we'll own a home. All those yeah. things. <clears throat> and those they, things are often, like they have can't... not much to do with the actual core relationship itself. The way that you relate or behave with your partner, they have to, they're like external factors. 
like having children has to do mm-hmm. with your especially women's biological clock I guess but also it's so deeply rooted in like financials and and things that are calculated the mm-hmm. idea of like home ownership and the way that most homes are designed for still for like a 1950s nuclear family you know of two parents and children oh totally um which is really sort of and that's what I mean in the sense that there still isn't anything in the broader world that is making assumptions about gay relationships. So right. I think that's, I think that's really exciting. And I think that's, it's liberating in a way. Um, mm-hmm. You have said to me before that you're so glad you're gay. <laughs> I have. Yeah. <laughs> That you, that you are not locked into all these boxes. And yeah, like you said, I'm sure it isn't easy. And I'm sure it's, there's been struggles yeah. and work that you've had to do to come to terms and be so comfortable and confident. And, well, yeah, there, I mean, um, I still do feel sort yeah. of uncomfortable and, and not so confident sometimes. But I do think that, mm-hmm. and I also do think, I know of people, especially gay men who especially later in life, I think do look at heteronormative relationships with a little bit more envy and a little bit more um, longing than I do currently. Mm. I think because as you do grow older, the idea of a, of a stable partner and of something long-term that you can grow with um, and that you can sort of succeed out of becomes more and more important. But when you're younger, yeah. I would say in your teens, your 20s, and even your 30s, um, I just think that when I think of what I've experienced, which has not always been easy. Um, and like I said, it's not because, you know, you're talking to other men online that, um, that they're necessarily looking for what you're looking for at that moment, but that there is a little bit, this, there is an honesty and an openness that can sometimes veer on what I think some people would call aggression, you know, the, the sort of, mm-hmm. the sort of, um, the way in which men can be so forward with each other and the way that they have to a certain extent divorced sex from emotions. Um, yeah. That I think heteronormative relationships are still quite a bit far behind on. And that, Oh my yeah. gosh. I mean, I'm sure you exactly. <laughs> <Agreed>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the dance that happens on online dating and i honest to god i don't understand flirting i I cannot interpret it whether it's text or whether it's in person i just i don't understand it i get confused i don't know when someone's trying to flirt i've been okay (laughs) so so let me let me tell you a little story that just happened (laughs) recently so in september so still like middle like peak bougie pandemic i'm at Mm -hmm. the i'm at the bank like uh, taking out like a certified check or something. And there's a boy with whom I had been talking on one of these apps that was also in the bank. And he, I guess he recognized me and I walked out. Okay. And as I walked out, he said to me, he's like, Hey, handsome, I hope you have a nice day or whatever. And I like, my reaction to this was hysterical because again, so this, this has to do with flirting, but it also has to do with this talking online versus like the real world. First, 
didn't recognize who mm. he was. I was wearing a mask. He was wearing a mask. I didn't know who was talking to me. And to me, in the middle of like suburban Ontario, I was like, there is no way that a man is like making a pass at me at a bank on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> no, that's and, a, and so yeah, and I was so taken aback by the forward. forwardness, and I had no idea what was going on. That I my reaction was just to just like basically like run out of the bank and then just slide and look at my phone <laughs> and basically pretend that nothing had happened. I did not respond <laughs> or acknowledge him because I was so taken aback by this happening like that. And I think that that has happened <laughs> a lot in other, in, in other circumstances because, yeah, some people are more forward than others. And some people, I think, understand and like body language and, and their language mm-hmm. in real life better than I do. And you be very explicit yeah. with me and give me at least like 10 minutes to get ready because otherwise I just don't understand what's happening (laughs) yeah same I was walking with a friend at the dog park a few weeks ago and uh there was this very very handsome man Mm. gorgeous smile and we were outside so we could see each other's faces so we passed and he smiled very nicely and I smiled at him and we were like "Ooh, he's very handsome so then we're like get back to the beginning we're like you want to go again it's still nice we were still talking so we go again and we passed, he went again as well. And so we passed him again and he like smiled and raised his eyebrows and like, it was clearly like a flirty of thing. Course. And so he passed and I said to my friend, I was like, oh my God, did you see that? She's like, yeah, I totally saw that. It was like, was that at you or me? <laughs> She's like, what? He clearly made eye contact with you. And I was like, oh, I yeah, no. And maybe She's like, oh my God, she probably thought almost... that you were bullshitting her, your friend, him or him. But you, yeah. I can genuinely believe that you had no idea because some of us don't read those cues super well. And no. to tie that back to online dating is let's consider this anecdote. Like, let's say that right after that happened, you jumped on an app and he luckily enough happened mm-hmm. to be on that app and you guys swipe and you both like each other. Well, what's happened there yeah. is you have like, you have confirmation that there's mutual interest without having to sort of navigate, or like you said, dance, dance is the perfect word, tiptoe around that reality in real life. Because in real life for that to happen, after that happened, you would have had to go back, walk up to him and say, hey, I think you're handsome. Like, do you want to grab coffee or whatever? And he would have to reciprocate, which is somehow very intense and can be emotionally yeah. disorientating and taxing and anxiety inducing even and what what yeah. online what the what the ability to to sort of do to go through that intermediary phase gives you is it allows you to do it with mm-hmm. a lot less intensity and a some level of protection of your own feelings essentially Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to Ben and I chat as much as I enjoy chatting with Ben. Uh, As I said at the beginning, we'll be back next week for part two of our talk. Uh, I hope I left it like really cliffhangery so you can't help but listen. (laughs) I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope this put a smile on your face. And thanks again for listening to Beautifully Naive. Mm -hmm.